Yoshinobu Yamamoto is a Dodger. We'll talk about it on this breaking edition of Locked On Mets. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, we have unfortunate news to discuss. Yoshinobu Yamamoto will not be a New York Met. I'll react to that in the first segment. In the second segment, Talk about where the Mets could go after this uh, fallout. Who could they pivot to? And then in the final segment, I reacted to some comments on the YouTube live stream and just continued to break down the fallout from all of this. Before we get to any of it, though, I'm your host, Ryan Ficklestein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on X, Ficklestein Ryan. I also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. It's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Well, the dream is dead. Yoshinobu Yamamoto will not be the ace of the New York Mets for the next decade or for the next 12 years because that is how many years this guy got. 12. He signs with the Dodgers. On a 12-year, $325 million contract, which the Mets offered the exact same deal and not that after year five. The Dodgers matched the Mets, who had the highest offer, and he chose to go play with Shohei Otani and that whole super team they got out there in Los Angeles. And the Mets are left with nothing. Now, there's a lot of ways to look at this. I'm sure there's some fans who are frustrated and upset and are wondering why the Mets didn't go further why they didn't push this to an even farther line. Why they didn't go to 350? Why they didn't go to $400 million? The other day I did a podcast and I said, would the Mets consider going to 400 million over 12 years? I got the years right. I was off by $75 million, but you know that was just the godfather offer I thought the Mets could have put on the table to get the job done. And maybe it would have. Maybe if they did, put a $400 million offer, the Dodgers would have finally said, now nah, we'll pass. But then the Mets are paying what they might have deemed too much for this guy. He ends up coming in at you know, around $27 million a year. He does break Garrett Cole's record with this contract for the biggest contract ever given to a pitcher by $1 million, although he did it you know, over a 12-year deal instead of a nine-year deal that Garrett Cole signed all those years ago. But The point stands, the Mets submitted a very aggressive offer. They didn't come so far over the top that it became a, you know, take our offer or leave it situation. But, you know, maybe they didn't like him for more than that dollar amount. And this was still a very aggressive offer by the New York Mets. The Dodgers just met it. And ultimately, he wanted to go and stay on the West Coast, something we've seen from Japanese players in the past. Shohei Otani got involved when it came to trying to sway him over, and I'm sure that held a lot of weight for Yamamoto. And 
that's a team that it's hard to really compete with right now. I mean, you look at what they're going to have moving forward, a lineup with Otani, Freeman, and Betts. Now a rotation that in 2025 will have Yamamoto and Otani, not to mention whatever they do with Walker Bueller. Uh, you know, all the guys will have coming off Tommy John by the time you get to 2025, this upcoming season. They'll have Tyler Glass now with Yamamoto, and Glass now will be there for the foreseeable future as well. It's a great offer for him. It's a great opportunity, but it sucks for the New York Mets because this was setting up to be Yamamoto or a bus. We've been talking about it all offseason. And we thought that the Mets money could take them over the top. I did a show yesterday, or you know, as you're watching this at the end of the day here on uh, Thursday, uh, I did a show earlier today where I made the case for the Mets should have been the team that he wanted to pitch for, how he could be a bigger star with the New York Mets than he would have been with the Dodgers, how he's not going to be the face of the Dodgers, and he would have been the face of the Mets. But you know what? He's going to win, and the Mets couldn't have guaranteed him that. The Dodgers, they're going to be a great team. They would have been a great team before they got Otani and Yamamoto, and now they're just that much better. To mention Glass now. So, you can't really fault Yamamoto. And I also don't think you could really fault the Mets. I mean, yes, they could have taken things a little bit further. They could have invested more in this guy. They could have pushed the limits. But I also think that this front office, from what we've seen so far under David Stearns, they are operating with you know some sense. So maybe if this was Billy Epler's front office, the Mets would have pushed the chips in a little further. I don't know. But I think the Mets found you know, the price point that they were comfortable with. It was the richest contract ever given to a starting pitcher. It was over 12 years to bring that average annual value down a little bit. So when it came to the luxury tax, it wouldn't have been as burdensome. And they did their best to convince Yamamoto that the Mets were the best spot for him. And... Obviously, Yamamoto wanted to be a Dodger. He took the Mets offer. He went over and got exactly that from the Dodgers, and that's where he's going to pitch. I will say that it's nice to know the Mets came in over the Yankees. The Yankees apparently submitted a $300 million offer. Maybe they were extremely confident in how much he wanted to be a Yankee, and he didn't. He wanted to be a Dodger. And while the Dodgers are in the National League, while the Dodgers are becoming the most hated team in baseball, personally, I don't know why, but there's still a part of me that likes this better than if he ended up with the Yankees, particularly if he ended up with the Yankees on a lesser offer. That would have been a tougher pill for me to swallow. I don't know about you guys, but I think uh, that would have hurt a little bit more. But still, you're in a position as a Mets fan where we've been talking about this guy nonstop, and now you're just left wondering, okay, what's next? Because there's Blake Snell, there's Jordan Montgomery, there's Shota Imanaga, there are other free agents that are out there, but we just don't know which, if any of them, the Mets are in on. So that's what I want to discuss next here. Who's the pivot? Is it Snell? Is it Montgomery? Is it Imanaga? Is it making a trade? Or is it just doing nothing and signing, I don't know, Lucas Giolito and rolling out a rotation of Kodai Sanga, Jose Quintana, Luis Severino, Lucas Giolito, and Adrian Hauser, which would be 
pretty much a disaster of an offseason, I think, in the eyes of a lot of Mets fans. We're going to go through all the options next. First, though, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Score this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. It's $150 if your team wins. If you're thinking about joining FanDuel, there's never been a time to get in on the action. You got the NFL season winding down, the college football playoffs still around the corner. Every single night, there's NBA games going on, so there's always something to bet on. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including the spread, player props, over-unders, and more. And again, you place that $5 money line bet. If you win it, $150 in bonus bets come your way, guaranteed. If you want to start playing today, visit FanDuel.com slash on. Kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. If you don't want to miss out on any of the latest Mets news this offseason, make sure you become a Locked On Mets insider. This is our texting service where I can send you updates anytime something happens. So as soon as I find out that Yoshinobu Yamamoto signed with the Dodgers, I want to share the subtext and let the insiders know. I appreciate all of you who subscribe. You can go to subtext.com slash Locked On Mets to do so. Now what's the pivot point here? Where are the Mets going to turn their attention? been reported in the past that they're not really interested in Blake Snell. I agree with that decision, honestly. While Blake Snell is a great pitcher coming off his second Cy Young, for one, you got to give up comp picks to get him. He got a qualifying offer. So that's part of what makes him less attractive. The other part is he walks the world. He has only had two seasons in his career where he has really pitched over 130, 40 innings. It's usually around 129 innings. That's where Blake Snell typically ends up checking in. His two years where he got over 180 innings pitched were his two Cy Young seasons, but that is more the aberration than the norm. So I don't know if you can trust him to be a real workhorse. He's in his 30s. He wants a ton of money. At some point, did someone say he wanted like $240, $250 million? Just seems like that is a free agent the Mets should probably stay away from. Then you have Jordan Montgomery, and I would be happy with Jordan Montgomery because he's a really good starting pitcher. Quality arm. He showed you in the playoffs this past year that he could be a frontline guy, that he could start playoff games, compete like a bulldog, and win. The problem is he showed everyone that he could compete like a bulldog and win in playoff games, and he might get paid an absolute ton, more than you'd want to spend on Jordan Montgomery, a guy that was not going to sniff 25 plus million dollars a year before this past season, before the second half. Now, all of a sudden, he's looking for Carlos Rodon money. Now, I'd personally rather invest in Montgomery than Rodon. Like, if you had to in a vacuum say, hey, you could have the rest of that Rodon contract or a fresh Montgomery contract. Yeah, take the guy that's durable. It's going to give me innings that's not going to be hurt, all that stuff. But would I rather pay Jordan Montgomery than any of the free agents that are coming across the board next year? whether it's Garrett Cole opting out, Walker Bueller is going to be a free agent, Corbin Burns is going to be a free agent, Zach Wheeler is going to be a free agent. There's a lot of different options that will be on the market. I think it's better to save your long-term money on one of those guys. But the one that's out there, I think the Mets should be all in on, and we're still 
shopping in the Japanese market, it's Shota Imanaga. If you have to try to think about Imanaga and, and how he could translate, it's a very similar free agent tier as where Kodai Senga was last year. Now, because Kodai Senga pitched so well at the Mets, I think this guy's going to get paid more. He might even get a nine-figure deal. But I think it's more five years, $100 million compared to Jordan Montgomery, who might be six, seven years and over 150. So I think the cost is going to be better. I think this is a guy that can absolutely translate. He has a fastball that should play really well, left-handed starter, and that could be your number two. I really like the idea of pivoting and signing Shota Imanaga. He's not going to cost anywhere near what Yamamoto just did, and you would still have a good rotation. If the Mets got Imanaga, it would be Senga, Imanaga. You'd probably want to break up your lefties with Quintana, so I don't know, maybe Severino becomes your three, so to speak. Quintana, Hauser, McGill, and all those other depth arms. It's not a great rotation. It's not a rotation that I think is on the same level as the Braves, even the Phillies, right? But it's good enough. And if enough breaks your way, if Severino actually can have the bounce back that the Mets are hoping for, if Imanaga can make that quick transition the way Senga did, if Senga has a strong sophomore season, if Hauser gives you some solid innings, if you get one of your pitching prospects at some point up in the season and they can contribute, you know, the Mets could piece it together and actually have a solid season. I think you're in a position now where it's just continue to round out this roster. And I have to give David Stern some credit for what the Mets have done so far, because I think while everyone has had their eyes on Yamamoto, the Mets have been addressing their team in a lot of ways. As much as it feels like they've just been you know, all eggs in the Yamamoto basket and sitting back doing nothing, they have been canvassing the market. They have been making all these minor league signings to add depth to their bullpen and to the rest of their roster. They did make a really good trade this week. So I, I believe that the Mets have really improved in a lot of different areas to round out their team to you know kind of improve the floor piece by piece. And hopefully that's going to get them to a place where if all of those sort of you know ceiling movers start to break your way, you know, if Francisco Alvarez is less streaky and has a great sophomore season, if Brett Beatty can solidify third base. If again, you know, Severino ends up being a really big addition for you. If, if those things start to turn in your direction, then the Mets could be a team that's, you know, sitting throughout the season five games over 500 and in the wild card mix. And then who knows, maybe they make an aggressive trade at the deadline. Maybe one of the prospects comes up like Luis and Helicuna or Drew Gilbert, and that takes the team to another level. I think the Mets are going to be a fun team to watch. I think they're going to be competitive, and I don't think they're going to do nothing. I don't think that the fact that they struck out in Yamamoto suddenly means that they're just going to completely mail it in for the rest of the offseason. I think they'll still make some moves, but I can't sit here and just completely say, oh, yeah, they'll be fine because they wanted this guy. They gave him a very aggressive offer, and if you had Yoshinobu Yamamoto, everything else would have become a lot easier. But now Kodai Senga is your ace. And I don't think that they're going to get a pitcher better than that this offseason. I don't even know who the better pitcher would be. I think Snell's maybe the only one that sort of fits that criteria on the open market. Theoretically, of course, you could make a trade, but 
I don't know the trade that's out there that makes a ton of sense for the Mets either. I think the one that could make sense is if you can do a Glassnow-esque trade where you trade for a pitcher and get the contract extension. And if you could pull a deal like that off for Corbin Burns, okay, you're cooking with gas. But Corbin Burns has already expressed publicly, I heard him on uh, the Foul Territory podcast, that you know, he wants to test the open market that the offer would have to blow him away. I mean, he just had $325 million on the table for Yamamoto. So if you want to package that up and you know, give Corbin Burns a Blake check, yeah, maybe that is where the Mets pivot. But I, I don't think that's likely. And I think they'd probably prefer at this point to play this next season out, right? See what they have with some of the kids, you know, see, you know, how everything progresses with, you know, the Pete Alonso situation. There's a lot of things that they can learn this year. And then you take all your money into next offseason where you could pursue a Corbin Burns who should be on the market where you don't have to trade any prospects to get him, And then you can give them all the money. So the Mets will be fine in the long run when you get to 25, 26, 27. I really do think they will be one of the premier franchises in the National League. But this season, it's going to be a year where they're going to put together a roster that's going to be sort of a 500 team that could go in either direction. It could just stay and be a team that's hovering around 500 all year. It could be a team that things break right. The vibes are good. Carlos Mendoza is a great manager. I mean, the Marlins just did it with Skip Schumacher, so you never know. And then maybe the Mets are a team that can make the playoffs. It's just not the team that's going to go into this season with great odds now. I think that's ultimately where we sort of have to land on this. They're not going to be a favorite. They're going to be in the mix. Uh, but everyone's going to go into this season looking at the National League East and think that there's two teams that could make serious noise. It's going to be the Braves and the Phillies. And the Mets are not going to be in that conversation. Unless, like I said, something crazy happens. They do a Burns move. You know, If there's something that we don't foresee that actually ends up changing, if the Mets are pissed off because they really thought they were going to get Yamamoto. And all of a sudden, the, the direction is shifted and, and the Mets do something more aggressive than we foresee. But I honestly believe that the best possible outcome now is they end up signing Imanaga. They you know, maybe get a Justin Turner type. They round out the roster more and more. Maybe they're a little more aggressive in the bullpen market. They get a David Robertson, something like that, to solidify that pen. And they just roll the dice this season. But it's a disappointing day. In Mets baseball, it really is. There, there's no way to sugarcoat that. What I want to do, I see a ton of comments that I haven't been able to look at yet. So I'm going to scan through them in a second here for all of you that are watching on YouTube, and we'll answer some questions. So fire those away at me. I'm going to look at what we got, and we will be back in uh, just a minute here. All right, so looking over the comments, seems like we're all a little bit frustrated tonight, and I cannot blame you all. Uh, should the match trade Beatty, McGill, Acuna, Clifford, and Vassal to the Guardians for Bieber and Ramirez? This is Timothy Frith, who just gives us the best comments on YouTube. Uh, always has great trade offers out there, but I don't know if they're going to pull off a move like that. I think the Bieber one is a little bit interesting, but... 
only because I think he'll cost less than the other starters that are out there. And even then, the Mets aren't really going to trade for a guy that's a rental. So unless you're trading for someone like that and you're extending them, I don't even know if I'd want to extend Shane Bieber. I don't see them doing that. I really do think it all of a sudden switches to maybe it's Imanaga or bust uh, for the Mets. Uh, I guess he didn't give the Mets a chance to counter someone ask. I don't know. I, I think they probably set their sights on 325. Garrett Cole was a $324 million contract. And look, this guy gets an opt-out after year five. So if you want to put yourself in Yoshinobu Yamamoto's head, I think the goal was get the biggest contract ever for a pitcher because that became something that was on the table with all the teams that were interested. And then I really think that he's viewing this contract as a five-year deal. It's go out, establish yourself as a dominant ace in the big leagues, get to play on a Dodger super team, maybe win a world series or two, then opt out and hit the market again. That's what I believe happened here because he's making 27 million in change here per season. We'll see how that's all structured. Who knows? But you know, he is a guy that if he pitches to his potential, and wins a couple Cy Youngs, you know, he could make 35, 40 million a season. You know, he gets the 325, but it's over 12 years. I do think it's something where the Mets could have, you know, pushed the chips in a little bit further. Maybe they could have structured a deal where he got paid a higher average annual value. Maybe they could have given him more money total on it. But the Mets also were probably not trying to just spend stupid. Maybe the Mets didn't want to put in an offer $50 million more than the next Bex team. And also imagine how embarrassing it would have been to the Mets as a franchise if they had a 350 or a 375 or a $400 million contract on the table. And this guy still chose the Dodgers because that's just where he wanted to be. Uh, I don't know if the Mets were completely used here as leverage in, in, in some respects. It had to be because it's their offer that got signed. The Dodgers just chose to match it. But, you know, I don't think you can really blame the Mets on this one. I honestly don't. I think that they, you know, gave a, a good offer. They did their best to sell them on, on, you know, coming to the Mets and what that would mean. And he chose the Dodgers. And that's just how it crumbles in free agency sometimes. You know, you do your best to attract a free agent and the Mets did everything. They, you know, Steve Cohen and David Stern flew all the way across the world to Japan to meet him personally. They had the second meeting. They I'm sure did everything they could to sell him on the vision, what the New York Mets can be over the next 12 years. And then they put together the highest offer and the highest offer didn't get it done because the Dodgers matched. So look, it's frustrating. It really is because I was I was holding that hope like all of you that this was going to be the big signing for the Mets, that I would get to come on here fired up and talk about how Yoshinobu Yamamoto chose the Mets on a 12-year, $325 million deal, how he was going to be the face of the franchise, how it was going to be Senga and Yamamoto. But it's not the case now, and they got to pivot. And I think the pivot point's probably Imanaga. I think that's the free agent that makes the most sense. But who knows, you know? 
The Yankees might be in a Minaga. The Red Sox might be in a Minaga. All these teams that struck out on Yamamoto, all of a sudden, they are going to be in on this guy as well. So we'll see how the bidding ends up going from there. The one thing I hope is that the market picks up. Okay, I hope Blake Snell signs this weekend. Jordan Montgomery signs. And Imanaga signs. Just for baseball in general. Because sitting around waiting on one free agent at a time is just brutal. It's brutal. But I still believe that the Mets are going to do some things that will get us excited. Okay, I think that there is, I'm sure, a plan B. I don't think they've been sitting here just staring at the phone waiting to find out if Yamamoto was going to come. And they haven't been getting their ducks in a row in case this didn't come through. Andy Martino gets to be right in this because the whole time he was saying that uh, the Mets were on the outside looking in, that they could force their way into the conversation, but they were never in the same position as the Dodgers and the Yankees were. And maybe that was the case. But if so, and the Mets had that sense, again, I would think that they have something else in the works here to build out a, a quality team because the Mets, even if they don't spend at the top of the market this year, they would not be adding three minor league free agents a day just because, you know, they want to have a a constant churn of guys in spring training. They are trying, they are exploring every avenue of the market. They are doing their due diligence every day to try to make the team better within the margins. And I believe this front office is a lot smarter than it was a year ago. I truly do believe that. And so now they got to go out and prove it. And these signings that David Stearns has been making, these minor league deals, they have to come together. The Mets have to have a much better bullpen. And if they have a much better bullpen, if they find a way to get a couple more starting pitchers in-house, whether it's more creative trades like the one they made this week to get Adrian Hauser, or if it's you know a couple signings, Hopefully they get in Managa, so at least they have another frontline potential arm in that rotation. If they don't, though, <laughs> if piecemeal it together, it doesn't mean that this team can't compete. But it's not Yoshinobu Yamamoto. That's that. That's it. That's it. That's all I got here. You know, this was the move that we were all waiting on, and well. Congratulations to the Los Angeles Dodgers. The rich get richer. So we'll wait and see what's next. We will wait to see if it is in Managa or if it's Lucas Giolito or if it's, uh, I don't know, Frankie Montes. And, uh, you know, we're getting a heavy dose of Tyler McGill in the sixth spot of a rotation. Who knows? Who knows? That's going to be all for me on uh, this show. I appreciate all of you who tuned into the live stream. Uh, Make sure you guys subscribe on YouTube, follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back with more shows uh, over the weekend. If news breaks, I'll be right back. Otherwise, you'll catch me probably on Monday. Uh, Now that the show is done, though, if you want to check out the first ever 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube covering everything going on in the sports world, head over to Locked On Sports Today with our local experts from each team our league-wide experts from each league. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back on Monday.